The presidential motorcade had just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas and was circling through the fringes of the business district when three shots suddenly rang out. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slate Show. The zone is being flooded, gang. The zone was being flooded all weekend. And not being flooded due to rising sea levels or due to climate change effects of emissions, but being flooded with the alarmist propaganda. Whether it was videos, whether it was being flooded with uh, social media posts, all smellier than any cow flatulent that you could ever muster like a mustard gas cloud of bullcrap. So it starts off with all of these videos online of our favorite socialist, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And of course, she's on multiple different uh, platforms speaking out um, about climate change and the Green New Deal. And while the Grammys were going on, not the Grammys, the Oscars, whatever, it doesn't matter. None of those daggone award shows are worth a crap um, they're all just filled with propaganda and it's all, you know, political talking points and what have you. But while the Oscars were going on, we had Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez taking time away from cooking and giving us a little play-by-play video. And, um, you know, she wasn't slobbering over the Oscars. She decided to do a Periscope live video while she was cooking up some sweet potato vegetarian chili from what we can tell. And uh, were those sweet potatoes purchased at an Amazon-owned Whole Foods down the street from her luxury apartment with the infinity pool amenities? I I don't know. Probably she's been spotted going there. But listen to this clip of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Our planet is going to make disaster if we don't turn this ship around. So she basically says our planet is going to be a disaster if we don't turn this ship around. And while she's cooking, she's going to say, well, I'm going to throw in a dash of cilantro because everything tastes better with cilantro. Even news of our dying planet is easier to digest with that California style flavor profile. But she goes on to say scientific uh, consensus that the lives of children are going to be affected. Listen to this. And so it's basically like there's scientific consensus that the lives of children are going to be very difficult. And it does lead, I think, young people to have a legitimate question. You know, should, is it okay to still have children? And the best part of this entire thing is talking about how the children are going to be affected. And does it lead to young people with a legitimate question? Is it still okay to have children? Um, Yeah, it is. If they're not gassy children apparently like me after serving this lit ass avocado toast i'm fixing up right here no ocasio cortez didn't say that but you know if they're living in new york i don't know they're under threat of being executed when they come out the birth canal i mean you can eliminate those carbon contributing flatulent terrorists as soon as they burrow their way out of the clumpo cells cavern that they've been hiding out in wanting to destroy the lives of unwitting women 
who want to further their career instead of mothering a child after losing the Russian roulette of sexual intercourse. You know, it was a mistake and you shouldn't be vilified with the mistake of a child. But not just financially, because people are graduating with 20 or three. Was it? She said 30. What did she say? It was really ridiculous. Uh, 20,000 to 300,000 in student loan debt. Really? Listen. I mean, not just financially, because people are graduating with 20, 30, $100,000 worth of student loan debt. And so they can't even afford to have kids in a house. All of that student loan debt, all of those student loans that are now under the government. Thank you, Obama, where he took over the student loan industry. So we know down the road, now that the government funds all that and, and backs all that, that there could be a situation down the road where the government says, hey, you've been a good citizen. You have voted the right way. You've been in activist groups that have helped greenhouse new deals come into play. Let's go ahead and get rid of that loan for you. You know, she's complaining about the debt. Remember, we were supposed to get a degree because no one would be employed without a degree. So now everybody decided to flock to get a degree because all the businesses followed suit and decided, well, we're not going to hire or even sit down and have an interview and accept an application from somebody who didn't have a degree. If you didn't have a degree, you were an idiot, apparently. And so what happened was everybody went to college and uh, they decided, hey, I just need a degree. Some got worthless degrees in fields that were completely unmarketable because they could do minimal work go through their college experience of binge drinking and protesting anything from Monsanto's evil corn business, ruining agriculture to Purdue in the, the turning and burning of poultry in those shacks with poor conditions for chicken, whatever the things that they were out there bitching and complaining and protesting about the evil patriarchy and racism and Black Lives Matter. You could do all of that while getting your degree and your degree could be in something like German fashion design or, you know, mythological studies or something. And, but you had a degree, so now you have the debt that comes with purchasing that degree. And that degree is what's the issue here. Somehow that has something to do with the Green New Deal. I don't know. I don't know how climate change is causing student loan debt. But apparently it is. And it's a moral question. What do we even do? Even if you have kids, there are still children, or even if you don't have kids, there are still children in the world, the ones that got past the Kermit Gosnell forceps coming out of the womb, the ones he didn't execute and sell for parts to some stem cell company for top dollar, you still have that moral obligation because the morality of the uh, climate change is more than the morality of executing a baby and selling off their spleen. But you have that moral question that... What do we do if we don't have kids and there's still children in the world? Also, just this basic moral question, like, what do we do? And and even if you don't have kids, there are still children here in the world and we have a moral obligation to them and uh, to leave a better world for them. And this idea that if we just, you know, I've been working on this for X amount of years, um, it's like not good enough. Like we need a universal sense of urgency Yeah, and of course, she goes on with this universal sense of urgency. You'll hear that a lot. A couple talking points you will hear all the time is sense of urgency. This has to happen now. Oh, and it has to happen within 10 years because 
it is it started off as 12 years and then as it went on throughout the year it was upgraded to 10 years because let's see uh you know uh 10 plus uh what two actually that's 2000 uh 18 to no 2019 cuz the 2012 would have included 2019 plus the 10 uh would put you at 2029 right at the cusp of the UN agenda 2030 implementation wow it's amazing how the the entire globe is going to die in 10 years uh right before the UN policy is enacted or required to be enacted but anyways heather mcgee she is a nbc analyst and she also works for an organization called Demos. They're uh, noted as being a public policy organization working for an America where we all have an equal say in our democracy and equal chance in our economy. Apparently that organization has something to do with climate change. But she said, this morning I got choked up on the air when discussing the political reluctance to be bold on climate change. It's never happened to me before, but there's no precedent for the threat we are facing. So listen to this idiot um, go on and on on Chuck Todd's Meet the Press. Remember, this is the same Meet the Press that would not let anyone on the show unless they subscribe or believe in climate change. She decided to talk about how uh, the sense of urgency is, is necessary. Is, the, is, the, um, is what people say, but they're also absolutely... The 80-20. You're 80% with, but 100%, 20% against. Exactly. And but they, most they don't post they videos, don't have, though. They, they haven't posted videos outside McConnell. They, they actually have, but they just haven't gone viral. So one of the things that I think is so important about this is that it's a difference of urgency. For someone who's seven years old, we just sat here talking about the Clinton impeachment like it was yesterday. At that time, 20 years from now in the future, we will have all coral reefs gone in this country. It's something that I think most people who are thinking about their children right now, I'm sorry I'm getting emotional, but Dianne Feinstein has been great and she has been in office and not had the urgency that is required. This is an emergency in this country. It's an emergency on this planet. There's no higher responsibility of anyone who has any kind of political power right now than to try to stop a global catastrophe that's not happening in three generations. It's I, happening I, now. I agree with you, though, but Heather, she's got legislation she's working but on. it's not going to solve the problem. Look, it's I don't, I don't even get enough. there. Is the new Green Deal there. going to Absolutely. solve the problem? It, the, the entire actual policy platform, if you look at no, the I, think tanks that I have gone I agree with the it. hopes behind it, no, but don't you have to work on a bill? It's not a question of hopes. It's a question of is there going to be a reality for our children and their children's children? We can't say it's too aspirational. It's the planet. And basically what she's alluding to is a clip we're about to play here in just a few minutes of Dianne Feinstein and this uh, sunshine, sunrise movement where they're exploiting children and using them as uh, human shields for their, you know, climate initiative because we only have, you know, a little bit of time. That's what they keep saying. And I read it and I was like, you know what? I don't care anymore. I don't care anymore. Because, again, I'm at least trying, and they're not. So the power is in the person who's trying, regardless of the success. If you're trying, you've got all the power. You're driving the agenda. You're doing all this stuff. Like, I just introduced Green New Deal two weeks ago, and it's creating all of this conversation. Why? Because no one else has even tried because no one else has even tried. So people are like, oh, it's unrealistic. Oh, it's vague. Oh, it doesn't address this little minute thing. And I'm like, you try. 
<laughs> you do it. Because you're not. Because you're not. So until you do it, I'm the boss. That's How right. about that? You heard it here. Not only is she going to talk about, hey, I'm the boss. Y'all ain't doing nothing. You know, she gives that talking, that uh, talk show, that Maury, Jerry Springer talk show kind of attitude. You better drop that zero and get with a hero. You know, that kind of garbage. Well, that always seemed to be some sort of logical answer and reasonable solution when they did it on the talk shows. So apparently she can just say, well, y'all ain't doing nothing. I'm the boss here. Cash me outside. But you know what? Here's the thing. She's going to go a step further and say, well, maybe you shouldn't be eating uh, hamburgers uh, for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And she talks about factory farming in these uh, when it's related to the whole cow flatulent thing. Because what she's focused on is, yeah, if you want to be a sustainable uh, living kind of person and have some chickens, maybe you want to have a cow. You're fine to have those. Those cow farts are okay. It's only when a big corporation gets together and puts all the cows into a single building, and then we have to vilify them because they're a corporation, and we shouldn't allow their cow flatulence to destroy the planet. My Twitter mentions I'm getting a lot of references about cow farts, Mm. and I think that's a reference to your Green New Deal. Can you explain that for us? In the deal, what we talk about is, I mean, and it's it's true, is that we need to take a look at factory farming, Mm -hmm. you know, period. It's wild. And so it's not to say you get rid of agriculture. It's not to say we're going to force everybody to go vegan or anything crazy like that. But it's to say, listen, we got to address factory farming maybe we shouldn't be eating a hamburger for breakfast lunch and dinner like let's keep it real so yeah you shouldn't have hamburgers for breakfast lunch or dinner we're going to regulate what you eat and she's going to say lots of other things oh yeah you're not going to do it we're going to do it and i'm the boss because i got the power she actually followed that up with a tweet that said yep if you don't like the hashtag Green New Deal, then come up with your own ambitious on-scale proposal to address the global climate crisis. Until then, we're in charge. And you're just shouting from the cheap seats. Um, we did have a plan. Free market solutions. In fact, we are beating the Paris Climate Accords without even being a part of it. Businesses that are taking it upon themselves to be responsible for their externalities are putting the country at a whole in a better position than had they subscribed to some sort of arm hamstringing policy. Unbelievable. But, you know, Jenny on the block, I'm not afraid of her thinking she's going to be some sort of authoritarian, but you have to be, and this is instructive. This is how these people think. You give somebody power and they look at it from a place of, hey, I'm morally doing the right thing and I'm looking out for the betterment of the people and I think I know what's right and I am so, you know, so certain in my stance that I'm going to do things and people that fight against me are the evil ones. You know, obviously, no one is afraid of Sandy from the block, but it's instructive because if you give somebody with a skewed worldview who does not understand where natural rights come from and they gain some type of power, this is the type of rhetoric you get. Now, let's listen to these kids who were brought in They're doing this right now with Mitch McConnell. They've got a ton of young people in line to yell at Mitch McConnell and protest against him in his office. These kids were brought in. These are really young kids, and they were brought in to be human, little human shields against Dianne Feinstein. Listen to them 
take on Dianne Feinstein for her ineptness or her lack of urgency about the climate change issue. trying to ask you to vote yes on the Green New Deal. Oh, please. Okay, I'll tell you what. We have our own... This have said that we have 12 years to turn this around. Well, it's not going to get turned around in 10 years. What we can do Senator, if is this doesn't get turned around in 10 years, you're looking at the faces of the people who are going to be living yeah. with these yes, consequences. The government and is supposed to be for the people and by the people and... You know what's interesting about this group is I've been doing this for 30 years. I know what I'm doing. You come in here and you say it has to be my way or the highway. I don't respond to that. I've gotten elected. I just ran. I was elected by almost a million vote plurality. And I know what I'm doing. So, you know, maybe people should listen a little bit. I hear what you're saying, but we're the people who voted you. You're supposed to listen to us. That's your job. How old are you? I'm 16. I can't vote. you didn't vote for me. I'm 24. It doesn't matter. We're the ones who are going to be impacted. It doesn't matter. We're going to be the ones who are impacted. I understand that. I have seven grandchildren. I understand it very well. Senator, the cost of not taking this action is far higher than the cost of what the Green New Deal will be. And there is enormous popularity for this bill around the whole country. And we're asking you to be brave and do this for us and for your grandchildren. I'm trying to do the best I can, which was to write a responsible resolution. Any plan that doesn't take bold, transformative action is not going to be what we need. Well, you know better than I do. So I think one day you should run for the Senate. Great. And we then you do it your you. way. But by we that time, in the meantime, by that time, there's going to be a big problem. I just won a big election. Yeah, that was the- yeah, listen to that. Feinstein gets into it with those children, the mother. I love the fact that the one girl is like, well, we voted for you to do something. Uh, how old are you? 16? No, you didn't vote. <laughs> it's amazing because on one hand, you've got the arrogance of a lifelong senator Feinstein, who's or Feinstein, Feinstein, tomato, tomato, potato, tomato, you know, uh, small at small a, whatever. And she's out there saying, I've been doing this for 30 years. So, you know, if you wanted this done, uh, I should have already had it done. And then you've got the kids. I'm sure Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is probably pretty happy that those kids were decided upon as far as whether or not they should live or even be procreated due to climate change. You know, I mean, Feinstein's probably wishing they would have taken it up and said, well, the climate's going to raise degrees by one-tenth of a hundredth of a percent within the next 200 years. I probably shouldn't have kids who could come into my office and talk down to me and throw this indoctrination on me. Now, the kids obviously have been indoctrinated. They've been scripted. Um, They're useful idiots, poor kids. They are human shields. Again, the left is fine hiding behind the, ki- the human shields of kids. But if that kid becomes, becomes an imposition to their career choice, their lifestyle, you know, if uh, they were just uh, hooking up and they didn't want sex to procreate, but that's what happened, well, we can 
kill them right there on the floor as soon as they uh, are born. And hell, now, based on the decision that we just had in the Senate, we're not even going to help them if they're surviving the botched abortion. And can someone take that North Face jacket on that lady, the mother, and just pull it over her head and smack her with like a hockey stick? I mean, did you hear her out there going, well, these kids want to know whether or not they're going to be alive with this degree temperature change. She is the puppeteer for these kids. Of course, what again, what's interesting, and I don't think these are little Freudian slips, is the little uh, the kids out there going, we've only got 12 years. Well, that was the talking point for a while, 12 years, because 12 years at the time that that was being pushed was back in 2017, and that would put you at the 2030 deadline. Well, now Feinstein answers back with the 10 years, which is the new talking point timeline, because now that 12 years has dwindled down to 2029 instead of 2030 being the deadline because that sets you up for 2030. 2030 is when all this stuff is supposed to be implemented. 2029, you better have everybody on board. So, of course, we had the mother exploiting her kids um, with the Sunrise Movement. Now, the Sunrise Movement, they just had all their people in Mitch McConnell's office, and a lot of arrest just went down. Same reason our voices aren't being listened to, Pumpkin. Those elected officials, they don't care about us on either side of the aisle. That chick's like 12 years old, protesting. And now you watch a stream of hipsters being zip-tied. They've got their fists in the air because they want a revolution. They're going to stand up against the one-tenth of a 100-degree increase in climate. So, yeah, that same group that was out there in Mitch McConnell's office, all of them getting arrested, singing songs. They are from the Sunrise Movement, which is stated as we are building an army of young people to stop climate change and create millions of jobs in the process. This dark time in America must come to an end. And this garbage organization is the same one that had the kids over there in front of Dianne Feinstein's uh, office confronting her and being used and exploited by those within the within that organization and we're going to get into that here on the other side of the break we'll be back in just a second stick with us this is adrian slade adrian slade broadcast daddy what's it gonna be like in the year 2000 well sweetheart for your sake i hope it'll be all peaches and cream but i'm afraid the end time is near the cataclysmic apocalypse referred to in the scriptures of every holy book known to mankind it will be an era fraught with boundless greed and corruption where global monetary systems disintegrate leaving brother to kill brother for a grain of overcooked rice the nations of the civilized world will collapse under the oppressive weight of parasitic political conspiracies which remove all hope and optimism from their 
their once faithful citizens. Around the globe, generations of polluters will be punished for their sins, unshielded by the ozone layer they have successfully depleted, left to bake in the searing naked rays of light. Wholesale assassinations serve to destabilize every remaining government, leaving the starving and wicked to fend for themselves. Bloodthirsty renegade cyborgs created by tax-dodging corporations wreak havoc. Pissed-off androids tired of being slaves to a godless and gutless system where the rich get richer and the poor get f***ed over and out. Unleash total worldwide destruction by means of nuclear holocaust, annihilating the terrified masses, leaving in its torturous wake nothing but vicious, cannibalistic, mutated, radiated, and horribly disfigured hordes of satanic killers bent on revenge, but against whom there are so few left alive. Starvation reigns supreme, forcing unlucky survivors to eat anything and anyone in their path. Massive earthquakes crack the planet's crust like a hollow eggshell, causing unending volcanic eruptions. The creatures of the seven seas, unable to escape to certain death upon land, boil in their liquid prison. Disease encircles the earth. Plagues and viruses with no known cause or cure, laying waste to whatever draws breath. And humankind, having proven itself to be nothing more than a race of ruthless scavengers, fall victim to merciless attack at the hands of interplanetary alien tribes who seek to conquer our charred remains. This is Extinction Level Event, the final world front, and there is only one year left. Wow, that's cool. I can't hardly wait. You don't have to, because here it is. Because here it is. That was Buster Rhymes from his Extinction Level Event album, which is a freaking masterpiece, but he was joking around because these albums came out before uh, 2000 in that Every year it was, oh, there's only so many years left. And this was the one year mark. But his apocalypse looks just as insane as what Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez are claiming is going to happen within 10 years. So Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and all of these other new Green New Deal fanatics have basically taken over the Democrat Party. It's quite stunning to see. And she's called for the sense of urgency. She's made plenty of videos uh, to support their Green New Deal. And remember, we talked about how, when we were discussing about how her chief of staff is a tech guy, this guy, he was an intern with that, or no, he was an intern, uh, computer uh, intern that went to Apple. He worked for Apple for a period of time, and then he got really kind of disillusioned with everything in the tech industry because of politics. So he got into politics to be an activist and he basically helped her rise to fame, at least through social media. Well, he, in the report that we read a couple weeks ago, when we were talking about how Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has hired her boyfriend and given him access to house.gov email accounts and calendars and things that, you know, BFFs, boyfriends, friends with benefits probably shouldn't have access to unless you are an actual legal spouse. But, you know, regardless of all that, she ends up being able to hire her staff without, you know, the house uh, uh, hiring authority that they have. They have like an internal uh, hiring crew that vets the people that are hired. Yeah, those people, yeah, they didn't really check in on him and he's rolling in. Like, he owns the place. And that's one of the things we have to look at when we talk about her 
is there's some things that are really bizarre about her background. The fact that her boyfriend gets hired. The fact that we've got this tech guy who is now running the show. The fact that her boyfriend was hired by PACs like the brand new Congress that her, her chief of staff tech guy was a part of. And how Soros and some of these people are funding these organizations. We also have to get into the fact that where she lives or where she claims to live, no one seems to have ever seen her there. Pretty amazing. All before she was complaining about after she got elected, she would have to get an apartment, and she was using that to stand on the fact that, well, you know, the cost of living is really bad, and no one has a a wage, even as a a congressional representative, to live in D.C. Oh, she's got a luxury apartment with an infinity pool. Um, She's going down to the Whole Foods around the corner, which ironically are owned by Amazon, who she ran out of New York. And if you remember last week, uh, her and Bernie Sanders piled on Amazon for not paying income tax, which we laid out in pure detail using decades old tax code provisions to show that what they did, though it may not be something we all enjoy, was legal under the current tax code. You want something done about it? You as a congressman, you even as a senator, Sanders, Change it. But we'll see how long that happens before they change it. So there's questions about the people running the show behind her. There's questions about whether or not she actually lives where she lives. And she decided to take it upon herself to go on and hire her staff at a higher wage. She's going to set the the example. She's going to set the standard. She's going to show leadership by hiring her staff and paying them at 52000 a year, which I think the average is about 30000 a year, something like that. Yeah, I mean, and so she went on and talked about it on social media, and the blowback was pretty much uh, predictable. Even I jumped in and said, hey, it's tax dollars. That's very charitable of you to go out and hire these people at such a higher rate, and maybe you had to hire less of them, but guess what? You're using taxpayer money to do it. And really... When you break down the numbers of congressional staffing uh, salaries, there's a problem because they are pretty high. This is from the Cato Institute back in 2010. The number of congressional staff is the real uh, problem. There's been a buzz about a recent story in Politico revealing a huge increase in the number of congressional staff receiving six-figure salaries. Some of the details are eye-openers, including a 39% increase in the past four years in the number of staffers earning at least 163,358. Nearly 2,000 House of Representatives staffers pulled down six-figure salaries in 2009, including 43 staffers who earned a maximum of 172,500, or more than three times the median U.S. household income. But while these top earners are a small percentage of the overall congressional workforce, their numbers are growing at a rapid rate under the Democratic Congress. The number of staffers earning within the upper 3% of House salaries, currently at 163358 or more, has increased by nearly 39% in the last four years. These people, who could be making a lot more money in the private sector, but they choose to work here, said Pelosi spokesman Brendan Daly, who also makes 172500 There are approximately... 10,000 House staffers, including district office workers, according to the chief administrative officer. Now, one of the things that was being said was 
the person who wrote for Cato said that they were a former staffer. And they said, I'm certainly not going to defend these salaries, but excessive pay is actually a secondary problem. The real issue is the explosion in the number of staff. So they're getting more pay and the staff is growing. And so we have to sit here and listen to Alexandria Cortez, Ocasio-Cortez, go on and say, the GOP is so disconnected from the basic idea that people should be paid enough to live that Fox actually thinks me paying a living wage in my office is communism. So the next time GOP screams socialist, no, that's their go-to attack for any common sense humane policy. No, we're looking at the fact that everything you do is based on socialism and based on communism, but it's based on infinity pools for me, but not for thee, not for us, not for the individual. You know, it's, it's big salaries for my staff that are paid by the tax dollars, but it's always an issue with the large corporations and they're not paying enough. You know, we're, we can take our tax dollars and pay these staffers exorbitant amounts of salary, but you know, if you're out there trying to pay CEOs a big figure because of the job that they do, well, then that's an issue. But we have to pay the little guys, you know, $15 an hour, even though the entry-level jobs that you go into, you don't last at that pay for very long. So Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who knows nothing of economics, even though she has an ec- economics degree from, I think it's from Boston or from Brown. I can't remember. I think it's Boston, but... Yeah, from a a pretty reputable college, she doesn't realize that the Green New Deal that she's pushing, the ones that those kids are in there yelling at Dianne Feinstein about, the ones who brought in that huge crew to rail against Mitch McConnell, to be arrested and carried out in zip ties, (laughs) the fact that her and Heather, uh, whatever her name is, Uh, from demos and some of these other individuals that are going on, meet the press and making the news rounds and doing social media viral videos. They're all saying we have this sense of urgency. Well, how much is that sense of urgency going to cost us? Even though it has been widely reported that we are exceeding the Paris Climate Accords on our own without being a part of it because of our own stewardship. Well, apparently it's going to cost every family about $600,000 a piece for this Green New Deal. From Bloomberg, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's ambitious plan to fight climate change won't be cheap, according to a Republican-aligned think tank led by a former Congressional Budget Office director. The so-called Green New Deal may tally between $51 trillion and $93 trillion over 10 years, concludes American Action Forum, which is run by Douglas Holtz Eakin who directed a nonpartisan CBO from 2003 to 2005. That includes between $8.3 trillion and $12.3 trillion to meet the plan's calls to eliminate carbon emissions from the power and transportation sectors. Between $42.8 trillion and $80.6 trillion for its economic agenda, including providing jobs and health care for all. The Green New Deal is clearly expensive, the group said in its analysis It's further expansion of the federal government's role in some of the most basic decisions of daily life, however, would likely have a more lasting and damaging impact than its enormous price tag. Backers of the plan say the inaction would be more expensive. 
The resolution itself, released earlier this month by Ocasio-Cortez and Massachusetts Democratic Senator Ed Markey, points to a major report on global warming released by the United Nations last October that says catastrophic climate change could cost more than $500 billion annually in lost economic output by the U.S. in 2100. So we have 10 years, 2030, to meet the U.N.'s Agenda 2030. Somehow they knew this was coming decades ago when they proposed this ever-increasing measure. And if you go read Agenda 2030, it's scarier than Agenda 21. Loss of sovereignty, economic crippling. This is how you build a global union, gang. You do it through scare tactics. You do it by saying the boogeyman is coming to your house in your backyard, and it's too dark out there for you to see it, and he's taking his time, step by step, slowly, encroaching on your family. And they're going to do that and say, oh my gosh, marshes are deteriorating, sea levels are rising. All of this garbage that we've seen, in fact, one of the things that we'll get into here in a second was this uh, study put out that she pushed and it is it is ridiculous when you see the map of america that they have i guess the uh southwest looks like chicken nuggets everybody seemed to think it looked like chicken nuggets i think what they were trying to show was from texas all the way to southern california it was dry cracked brittle ground signifying a desert here in the commonwealth virginia especially where i live we're supposed to be underwater so we've been talking about how expensive Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's uh, Green New Deal is. And what's amazing is the media spin machine that they have behind it. Now this news is another left-wing news organization, just like Newsy, just like Cheddar, just like these new hip, slick-named uh, organizations that they have out there that will basically run with whatever socialist propaganda that they have provided to them. They put out this interesting video with this economist. Now, remember, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez actually cited as an economist who backed her Green New Deal, Paul Krugman. She said, oh, yeah, look, Paul Krugman's... I'm like, really, Paul Krugman? You're touting that guy as... He is the most know-nothing, he's one of those economists who are supposedly economists, but yet never get the economy ever correct. They never get economic theory ever correct. They're simply an economist in name only so that they can push agenda items that need economic validity. So they have this other guy and they bring him on here and just look how quickly he glosses over certain details and basically he's like oh we just we just pay for it you know you get congress to initiate it you get the treasury to print some bills and then uh, you just pay for it it's easy it's all affordable never tells you the details and gives shoddy reasons for why it's somewhat affordable climate science is telling us that we're on track for over three degrees celsius of warming this century that means millions of deaths it means billions of people at risk of losing their home to floods and deserts. It will mean refugee crises that dwarf what we're seeing today, and in the future, potentially an uninhabitable planet. This is not something you can put a price on. The Green New Deal is essential to avoid climate catastrophe. It would be worth giving up a lot for that. But here's the thing. 
for most of us, the Green New Deal will leave us better off economically than we are today. Right now, millions of working age people are unemployed in this country. Many millions more are underemployed. The labor force participation rate is three points lower than it was a decade ago. That represents an enormous amount of productive labor that is currently going to waste. Productivity growth is also still very slow, and in large part that is also due to weak demand. Someone needs to spend money to put people to work, to give businesses a reason to boost investment and raise productivity. Consumers won't spend money if their incomes are low. Businesses won't invest if there's no one to sell to. That's where government needs to step in. Investing in our economy when no one else can, putting millions of Americans back to work, and raising living standards in the process. That's why we shouldn't think of the Green New Deal as an economic cost. It's actually the solution to our biggest economic problem. But can we pay for it? Easily. The Green New Deal will be funded the same way we paid for the original New Deal, the same way we paid for World War II. Congress will authorize the expenditures, and the Treasury will spend the money. Now, over time, that spending will be financed by some mix of borrowing and higher taxes, especially on the rich. Whether or not we need to raise taxes on the rich to pay for the Green Deal is honestly a bit beside the point. Taxing away extreme concentrations of income and wealth is good for our democracy. As for debt, it's strange to be worrying about that when interest rates are still extremely low by historical standards. If anyone is worried about federal debt, it clearly is not the bond markets. They seem to be saying, please, borrow more. The limit on what we can spend isn't financing, it's the real resources of our economy. And when we see inflation that the Fed can't get up to its target, when we see huge numbers of prime-age people still out of work in a supposedly strong labor market, when we see businesses enjoying record profits but still slow to find anything to invest in, when we see wage growth barely budging, then it is very clear that we are far from any real limits to our productive capacity. A Green New Deal doesn't mean cutting back on other material needs. It means mobilizing the vast, unused capacity of our economy that is currently going to waste. So basically, to sum all of this up, you are going to need to hire all these people that are out of work to rebuild all of these buildings and refurbish them and refit them with green new energy stuff. We're going to need to dismantle all those combustible engines. We're going to have to dismantle all of those airplanes. We're going to need a big team of people to go out there and kill all those cows so we can eliminate the cow farting. All of this needs to be done and it's going to hire. This Green New Deal is going to allow hiring of all these people and put them to work. Oh, wow. Who's going to pay them? It's not a private organization that's out there that's going to be going around paying all these people to dismantle all these airplanes and eliminate all these cows from their flatulence. It's going to be the government. And of course, he goes real quickly through. Well, you know, if we just tax the wealthy a little bit more, what we'll do is if we tax them a lot more, not you, because you know, we're only going to tax the rich, the evil rich guys. Scrooge McDuck, uh, Mr. Moneybags from Monopoly, those guys. Uh, Scrooge, we're going to tax them because they don't need the money. Why do you need two yachts? Why do you need three houses? Bernie Sanders actually said that. Why do you need all of that? We need it, you know. Bernie Sanders is being talked down right now because of the fact that he's flying around on a Gulf Stream. But those in the media, the pod bros, the pod save America podcast people that used to work under the Obama administration are like, well, he needs that because he has to go campaign. He's got to go talk about the climate issues. And we need, you know, it, the evangelist is, around, is allowed to go around driving in the $500,000 Lamborghini, but the congregation has to go without, 
even though the congregation is tithing to the First National Church of Gov through their taxes, their tithes. That's how it works. You know, Sanders and them, they're allowed to have the airplanes, but the rest of the airplanes need to be dismantled. The big corporations that make the airplanes, they need to be eliminated. The the big farming industries that have taken over the Ma and Pa farm and they've had these huge facilities with cows all packed in it with flatulence coming out and just destroying the ozone and destroying the atmosphere. They need to be eliminated. And if we just, you know, get the, the wealthy, just tax those wealthy guys, we can pay all of this and we can just, you know, get Congress to sign some stuff, put it into action, let the Treasury just print away because printing money and inflation has never been an issue. And then we're going to turn around and just, you know, say, well, the wealthy will pay for it. That's not how any of this works. When you put punitive tax measures into play, the wealthy is going to hire their tax accountants and professionals to find ways legally in the tax code around it like Amazon did for the last couple of years with their net carry loss, you know, net operating loss carry back that they've been using so that they pay zero taxes. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to high, if you're going to jack up regulation and taxes, businesses are going to react in kind to keep more of their hard-earned money. So these are not new concepts. But this is what we're dealing with when we're dealing with organizations who are out there lying to people and causing a sense of urgency through fear-mongering, having kids you know, eight-year-old kids showing up in front of Senator Dianne Feinstein's office and saying that we only have 12 years to live. We're all going to die. You know, those kind of things are what we're dealing with with the left. Fear-mongering. Um, you know, when you have no worldview other than we reject any sort of divine creator that gave us our natural rights that the Constitution enshrines our protection in, well, then you're going to think that you're going to be the boss, right? Since you're the one doing stuff, you're the boss, and the rest of you can sit in the cheap seats, and the earth is the big issue, and your life on earth is all that matters, not any sort of, you know, divine afterlife, not anything that's going to provide a strong moral compass. You know, the morality is going to be subjective, we're worried about the children. We're worried about the children burning up from greenhouse gases. You know, when I was little, they were worried about me dealing with an ice age that never came. They were worried about me going out and watching acid rain destroy our, our Plymouth that never happened. They were worried about the ozone hole. All of the 80s hair metal bands had to get rid of all of their Aquafina and all of their hairspray. Because of the big hole in the ozone, that never was an issue. And then we have to worry about the greenhouse. Oh my gosh, the clouds are going to cover the sky and the ozone, and it's going to trap all the heat in. It's going to burn us alive, like you know, ants under a microscope. Because of the fact that that you know, ants under a magnifying glass. Because of the fact that we are trapping the heat in like a a greenhouse. We're all going to burn. That never happened either. This has been going on for decades. Global warming, global cooling, ice age, acid rain, all of these things. Nothing has ever facilitated from these things. And we've looked at all of the emails that have been leaked 
All of the emails that came out from these organizations, from the UN Climate Council, from independent climate you know, climatologists who worked with the UN and they fudged the data, they played with the numbers, they massaged the data, and all of those things came out in emails that were hacked, just like WikiLeaks and Clinton. We learned that Dr. Oz behind the curtain was a little old Soviet communist who was trying to take over your freedom and destroy economic prosperity under capitalism. That's what was happening. And now we look at this individual group that has been put together, this Sunrise Movement group. You know, one of the things I've been amazed by with the left, and this comes after the 2010 uh, Citizens United, uh, their little uh, lawsuit that opened the doors behind who can be considered a nonprofit organization. The left has been utilizing nonprofit organizations as vehicles for their agenda, They've been weaponizing them. You know, a 501c3 is going to be an organization that's going to operate exclusively for religious, charitable, scientific, literary, educational purposes. And they're given treatment under the tax code because some of these organizations may not fare very well in the private sector, but will be of interest and of, you know, benefit if they are tax free and if they are allowed to receive donations and the people who donate to them receive the ability to write it off on their taxes. Well, 501c4s came into play and was clarified as to whom they can receive money with back in 2010 when Citizens United was ruled under the Supreme Court that corporations and unions can spend money directly on elections. Previously, they were prohibited and these shadowy nonprofits weren't allowed to take corporate money. Otherwise, they'd have to disclose their donors to the Federal Election Commission. But now... The 501c4 groups can take as much corporate union money as they want without disclosing, even though those donations aren't tax exempt. But the left has exploited the death out of this while vilifying the precedent it set. So the perk of the 501c4 is that we don't know who's paying them. Could be Soros. A lot of times it is, which, you know, in documents that have been leaked have shown this. We're looking at the fact that money is being laundered through these organizations and they're using them to, you know, to motivate and to assemble and to electrify and amplify a movement of activists and have them on the dime of this organization because, you know, the board of directors can't receive the profits from any nonprofit organization, but that doesn't mean you can't hire a huge staff. That doesn't mean the money doesn't come through and doesn't get paid to anybody that wants to be an activist And that's what we're seeing now. That's why they attacked the Tea Party groups when they filed under that and the IRS shut them down because they knew that if you can weaponize nonprofit organizations, you can raise money. No one knows where the money's coming from because you don't have to disclose it and you can pay activists to just be activists all day. And so what we're looking at is this group, the Sunrise uh, Sunrise organization, I guess there was sun, and actually Sunrise, this is from the resurgent, is largely made up of recently graduated college students, uh, many of them who are involved in the fossil fuel divestment student network. They're building a group large enough to summon tons of protesters, and they're using a decentralized strategy with centralized training. I've always said, if you've listened to me more than a show, decentralization is how they operate. That What that means is There is an overall goal, and they might meet with that goal, 
but they have their own little pocket groups that do their own thing. They may report to another organization like Democracy Alliance, but they're not they're not operated directly by them. They operate on their own. It's like little terror cells. You know, Al-Qaeda is Al-Qaeda, but there's little terror cells and all these different things, and they operate on their own independence, and that's how they operate through um, staying mobile, staying nimble under a small decentralized system. And that's what they're doing with this. And, you know, this is similar to Al Gore's organization, Climate Reality. Basically, 12,000 people have been trained to go start their own organizations and companies, which what they have learned, and they use them to build a swell of people that will follow. Another climate organization, 350.org, uses the same strategy. They encourage local chapters to provide tools and resources to local groups. It's a similar common pattern that the left generally uses with other issues like, you know, gun control. And so they've been doing this for quite some time. And that's what you saw with these recently graduated college students bringing their kids out attacking Dianne Feinstein, bringing them all out and mobilizing them up against Mitch McConnell. And we're seeing this all coordinated at the same time with the social media campaigns and the news barrage of how the planet's going to die in 10 years. And it's people like Ocasio-Cortez and Bernie Sanders who are pushing this lie just so that they can push their agenda for the elections so that they can gain power. I'm Adrian Slade. I appreciate you tuning into the show. You can listen to the show on Mojo Five O. It is the edgiest and newest conservative libertarian talk network every Wednesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also on Saturday, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Midnight Sunday morning Eastern Standard Time and on Sunday at 5 p.m. Check out the podcast. You can check it out on Mojo Five O's Spreaker page. Spreaker.com, or you can check it out on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeart Podcast, TuneIn, Podbean, Overcast, anywhere podcasts are hosted, you can get the uh, free Adrian Slade Show podcast. Be sure to rate it. Give it a five-star rating if you can. That helps bring it up in the ranks. You can also check out the blog, AdrianSladeShow.com. Also, follow me on Twitter, at Adrian Slade Show or at Rants Out Loud. You can also find me on other social media platforms, Facebook, Gab, MeWe, the official Mojo 50 social media site, Parlor, also on Snippy and Convo. Search Adrian Slade. You could also donate to the show, patreon.com slash Adrian Slade Show or go to anchor.fm and donate. We'll see you guys next time.